This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. There is a common misconception that content marketing can't be part of a huge marketing campaign. At least that's what Kathy McPhillips has seen. But as the vice president of marketing at the Content Marketing Institute, she's trying to show agencies and marketers everywhere that you can integrate content marketing into your campaigns. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Kathy talks about how that's possible and gives examples from the real world to show how companies like REI, Lowe's, and Patagonia were able to turn their content marketing activities into revenue generators. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. We have two friends on the other line. Lauren, how's it going? Pretty good, Ian. How is your, how's your week going? It's not too bad because today we're going to be talking about content marketing with one of the world's experts in content marketing. Kathy, what's going on? That's a great intro. There's a lot of pressure to calling me an expert on this podcast. At the, quite literally, the center of the world for content marketing uh, there in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great group. I've been with them about seven years now. So I have to say, it, it is the center of everything content marketing. So in today's episode, we're going to go through... Uh, a deep look at the future of content marketing. We had Joe Polizzi, uh, the founder of CMI, the Content Marketing Institute, on a previous episode and kind of touched on a lot of the high-level stuff and the way he thinks about things and the books that he's written. Um, but as with every, uh, as with every founder, uh, we need to get their VP of marketing on um, to talk the gritty details of what it's really like. And, you know, we were really excited to have Kathy on because content marketing with um, so much change in marketing and technology happening over the past decade, there's no better person to talk to that dive in the weeds that has seen a ton of the best content marketing leaders, both uh, at their annual conference and uh, sharing information on their, on their website. So Kathy, let's first get into it. How'd you get into marketing in the first place? Well, a quick story, uh, senior year of high school, I was in my AP English class and we had to do a paper on what we wanted to do when we grew up. And I had no idea. I was 17. So I went up to my teacher and I said, I don't know what, what I should do. And she said, what are your strengths? And I said, art and math. And she said, no, no, that's not possible. You can't be good at both of those things. Go to the library, take a test and see what comes out. And marketing and advertising came out as the answer. So I said, okay, so I guess that's what I'm going to do. So I did. And here I am. So I went to school for journalism, worked at two ad agencies and uh, had a few clients, did my own thing for a little while. And then I met Joe Pulisi. And, you know, as the story goes, he was like, oh, this is great. I need a person who knows a ton about food advertising, who's working in the restaurant industry. So Let's, uh, let's pull her into this brand new thing called content marketing, right? Right. I worked for about seven national restaurant brands doing their marketing and advertising. So I thought I was doing content marketing because I did know the term and I did know Joe, obviously, from, from being from Cleveland. But once I got into it, I said, oh, now I know why people need to use CMI because they really don't know what content marketing is. So 
I've learned a lot along the way. I think, I think that's a, a great point. And I do things. I love that you said what I'm good at is, is art and math. And your teacher was like, that's not possible because honestly, that's what great marketers are good at is the, the art and science and the art and math of, um, influence and persuasion and, and business. So I disagree with your teacher. I think that's absolutely possible. And, um, when I thought it was interesting that you said, um, once you really joined CMI, you figured out what, what really content marketing is and where it's going. I would love your take on what, what is content marketing? Where do you see it? What if a marketer or CMO is saying, I need to do content marketing, what does it really mean? What do they care about? Well, ultimately, the CMO wants to drive profitable customer action. And just like advertising does as well, content marketing does, but content marketing just does it a little differently. You know, advertising is product-driven. It's in your face. It's interrupting you. And content marketing, it's giving the customers valuable, relevant, consistent content, which I'm sure Joe you know, gave, him, gave you his definition. But it's just building that relationship over time. So it is a longer sell. It's a harder thing for CMOs and for founders to swallow, knowing it's not going to be an instant quick fix. But, you know, we've learned over the years, and Joe and I worked, worked a lot on it, is what's that balance? You know, it's not all advertising or all content marketing. They really, really do work so closely together, and they can benefit each other so much. And do you think that, do you think that there's a world where, you know, advertising as we know it ceases to be and that content marketing as we know it ceases to be and there's just a blended function or do you think that they're different verticals or or you know skill sets within a marketer's um kind of toolkit that they have to have like does the cmo of the future have you know an entire um team of content marketers or are those content marketers blended across all of their teams it's funny that you were talking about this right now because one of my big initiatives for this year leading up to our event content marketing world is that I'm trying to get agencies to say, you know, we're not the bad guys. We really are working towards the same thing. We want our clients and our customers to, to succeed. And I don't think it's not, it's not going to be, like I said, all or nothing. Um, and I do think that agencies could bring content marketing into their capabilities but I just want to make sure they're doing it the right way. And we want to really help companies and agencies do that. So can I think everyone can get along and that we can, it can kind of be this huge marketing campaign. I know we don't like to use the word campaign in content marketing, but how can it all be integrated? And yes, I totally think it's possible. You know, we talked about this with Joe a little bit about like, you know, how campaign could potentially be a bad word, which is pretty sacrilege. I think to most marketers, um, I think that, there needs to be some shuffling of the vernacular when it comes to, I think campaign should be a great word. It's just campaigns need to be thought about in like different sizes. Lauren, did you deal with this at all? Like would, you know, were there, um, did you have like campaigns that were called different things? How did you look at that stuff? I still am sitting here going, why is campaigns a dirty word? That's what I do. I, uh, we we had a lot of, I do think the word campaign in general is used to describe and articulate far too many, far too many things. So a lot of the way we thought about it was, is this, we're calling some things that are programs campaigns or things that are tactic camp, tactics campaigns and an email 
is not a campaign. Even if you're sending free emails, it's not a campaign. No, and I want to I want to jump in really quick. This is a really good point because um, you have a lot of um, a lot of verbiage around products specifically in the realm of campaigns. It's like start a campaign or is this, what campaign is this tied to or whatever? And I think that that's part of the problem. You're exactly right. It's like, you know, three emails isn't, isn't a campaign um, or, oh, is this the drip campaign or whatever it is? And shout out to our good friends at Pardot uh, for making all this stuff easier. Um, but I think that that is a critical insight is we don't necessarily have the word to say, well, if something that is, you know, three emails is called a campaign, and then a uh, content marketing initiative that is going to take 24 months is also called a campaign, then, you know, kind of both words have no meaning, right? Exactly. And it negates a lot of the work that goes into, say, a 24-month content marketing campaign or program that is not just one piece of content. It's multiple pieces of content that will also include emails and blog posts and advertising and a hundred other other tactics and it makes the the work that goes into say a 24 month content marketing campaign or program or however we want to decide it it almost makes it seem like less and uh, negate some of the work that actually goes into a much bigger richer uh, program i just think that i don't care what you call it if you're doing it right and you're doing it towards the same end goal and you're being successful if you're in, if your team wants to call it a campaign, call it a campaign. Um, but really, it's about the uh, it's about the strategy, your objectives, and your tactics, and how are you making it work? Yeah, and you know one of the things that that Joe talked about was this idea of take sixty six habits um, or sixty six um, essentially like repetitive use of something to to turn it into a habit. So if that's the case for your marketing campaign, if the minimum that you should be thinking about changing somebody's habits is doing 66 times. I mean, we, we hear the, you know, the expression that it takes, you know, 13 to 15 impressions equal a sale, depending on the product. Well, if you're talking B2B, uh, 15 impressions might not even do a single thing. I mean, I probably do a hundred uh, impressions a week on some of the billboards driving around San Francisco on, on the one one um, and, and I can tell you, it doesn't move the needle for me in any way, any meaningful way, at least. Um, but talk to me about like duration, because I think it's easy to say, yeah, well, we should be doing campaigns that are, that are 18 months long that have like a really long tail. But I know that a lot of the marketing leaders, the CMOs and VPs that listen to this podcast are like, if I might, I might not be around in 18 months. So if a campaign that I'm going to launch you know, six months into my tenure isn't going to, you know, get results for two more years. That's, I'm not really on that timeline. Sure. Well, I have a couple of things to say about that. You know, one, going back a few minutes when we were talking about um, campaigns within programs within all of this, you know, we, you know, we, like we said, you know, we don't use the word campaign, but we, we do because we might have this content marketing initiative, which could be our daily blog posts. We do every single day, 365 days a year. But I'll work with my editorial team and say, okay, we have our super early bird deadline coming up for content marketing world at the end of February, which is coming up this week, actually. And we have, you know, this event in April and we have our content marketing university program happening in these certain months. So can you make sure that we have some blog posts that 
either written by some of our speakers or our instructors for CMI University or any of these different things and can the call to action be registered for the event. So we are creating our own little mini campaigns within all this, this broader program that we're doing. So from that side of things, we are running campaigns. We're just working with editorial to make it, to make it as such. And then talking about uh, just the duration, you know, that activity could be, did you open up a blog post? Did you open up an email and click on the blog post link? Did you attend a webinar? Did you download one of our eBooks or white papers? And all of those things, we can tie them back through our marketing automation and through Salesforce that we're able to say, okay, you've taken 20 actions or whatever it could be. And then we can use our email program and bulk those people that are taking those larger actions, larger number of actions and give them a separate message. So it all does work together and just through analytics and through tracking, we can really see what's working and what's not working. So Lauren, I have a question for you. How much does it hurt your heart when you're doing a content marketing campaign and you're serving ads that are pushing to a piece of content or does it feel great? Because I know that there's marketers on both sides of this. Like, how are we spending money on something that we're ultimately just pushing to another piece of content that we're investing to uh, or investing in? And I know that this is going to benefit in the long term, but you have, uh, you know, somebody else on your team that's saying, we should just be serving these ads to people and, and not waste our time with this other stuff. No, you know, it, I'm going to have this sort of a slight punt on the answer and say it depends. The when I when I've seen content marketing campaigns done well is when you are um, to Kathy's point thinking holistically and thinking about where the where the customer is on the on their overall journey and you can't just write a great piece of content and assume people are going to naturally find it and I do think uh, you should put a little bit of money behind promoting and pushing out really great content getting views on it. And really expanding the reach. And to do that, you're going to have to spend money advertising for something that was produced. Um, but where I've seen this fail is you advertise to, you run ads um, to try to attract people to a piece of content. They go, they read it, and then there's no follow-up action. And I, I don't like waste. And I don't love, let's spend all this money driving to a blog post or a white paper, an ebook or whatever the content is. And then after that moment is over, it's sort of that, that one touch, final touch experience of, Hey, we, you know, the purpose was to get this piece of content out. And you're like, well, the purpose wasn't to get this piece of content out. The purpose is the long-term purpose and goal is how do we help grow the business and getting this piece of content out has been this amazing step on this journey but after they came and they consumed this, then what do we do and how do we continue to engage and what's the next step? So if it's part of a, a bigger strategy and plan, I absolutely think you should do it. If the ultimate purpose is just to get someone to consume content, but there isn't that uh, the bigger sort of business driver behind it, that's when it, that's when it hurts my heart. I totally agree. You know, if you're putting money behind something, to get the distribution out there, if you set up tracking codes, you know, set up your URLs, do all of that ahead of time. So then when you do spend the money, at least if it wasn't successful in the way you want it to be, at least you can figure out why. And then you can shift dollars. You know, one of the things I was doing when I was doing the restaurant marketing was I was spending 50, 70 grand for a four week TV flight. And once you're in, you're in and you really can't change it. And it's hard to measure those results until 
after the program. And you really can't even tie a TV campaign to sales necessarily. You can see the lift in sales if you look at the, you know, how much you spent that week versus sales, but there really isn't anything tangible. With digital marketing, we're able to see clicks and conversions and all the things that we that is measurable. And if something's not working, we can just pivot on a dime and change the creative, change our target, stop even stop a whole entire program instantly. And that's one nice thing about content marketing and everything that we're doing today. Yeah, we talk a lot about you know repetitive and like what does that mean and what does consistency mean to the marketplace. Um, and I think a lot of times people think of a lot of the content campaigns as, um, as repetitive when they're really not. It's like, yeah, well, we put out a white paper, um, you know, every quarter. And you're like, Does, is anyone like waiting for that? The, the only people who wait for the white paper is this person internally that's like, I have to review and edit another white paper. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, yeah, it's an even better point. Um, but you do see some of like the annual campaigns where, uh, you know, we had Matt Trefiro on where they talked about State of the Edge um, that he spent a lot of time on where it's going to be something that they do, you know, annually for, for many, many years to come. Um, there's a predictability. There's, um, there's a lot of micro content that comes off of that. And there's an amount of buildup to it they're marketing up to it each year. Uh, so even though it's this one giant piece of content, there's ways to kind of like make it, um, you know, present in people's minds for a large percentage of the year. And then when this big thing comes out, they push a lot of people towards this state of the edge. You know, when you said state of, state of the edge, that's, that's great. It's not, we have a new white paper. It's, we have this, we have so much to tell you, you know, that's what people anticipate. That's what people want and they wait for just knowing you exactly. produce a new piece of content. They don't care. They want you exactly. to help And it's the, what I love about state of the edge is it's, this is, you know, defining what's happening in, in edge computing and in the industry, this is becoming standard. This isn't about, let me tell you the seven ways you can, you know, use my company better. This is, something that is bigger than any particular company and it's becoming this industry standard report. That's what people are going to sit and wait for is how is this going to make me better at my job? What is happening? Name another company that I think um, does a really good job is Moz and they do their, their annual SEO report. That is what's, basically what's happening in the SEO industry and what changes are being made. And if you are a practitioner, you wait for their annual report because you want to know what your peers are seeing and thinking and what's, what's changing to help you do better at your job. And it's taking this idea of it's content marketing, whether it's for Matt Trefira's company or for it's for Moz, but they're creating something that is truly kind of above and beyond remarkable. And that's the kind of thing that if you hit that, yes, people will wait and anticipate for it. But the, and you can totally correct me and disagree with me on this, but I feel like the vast majority of content that's created for content marketing isn't going to be that industry standard. Correct. You know, the research is, we do our annual research report and it takes months and months and months to do it. And you can't do that all the time unless you have, you know, we have, a very small team. So if you want to do that all the time, that's great, but you need to be prepared to 
invest the time and the resources and the, and the people. But sometimes content just needs to move someone to the next step. That you know, you can't instantly say we're going to create this amazing blog post or even this amazing white paper and expect instant action. You know, it's, you have to take time to build a relationship. So some of the content is built strictly to get you to take the next step, and some of it is built for the bigger, the bigger thing. Both types of content have have a purpose and have a have a need and have this have a purpose in the overall. I hate to use the word funnel, but it is. They have a purpose in the overall funnel and what you're going to do. And you, you can't just do one. And it's the combination that really is what's going to make an impact. One of the best resources that I've found to kind of help me explain this and help me understand it myself is Andy Crestedina from Orbit Media out of Chicago. He has a blog post. He has a blog that he runs something every single day. And he goes in and talks about Google Analytics. And he says, today open Google Analytics and do these three things. And here's why. And I tell you, just some of the changes that we've made on our website and in our analytics, just based on the things he's telling us to do, has given us such a clearer picture on where our customers before they take out, you know, before they hit our blog page, what do they do after they leave our blog page? Are they leaving the site? Are they going to our content marketing website? Are they reading something else? Are they downloading something? And we're able to see all that because of how he helped us set up Google Analytics. Actually, I have a friend in Cleveland who followed his every single day for 365 days, exactly what he told her to do or what he told his audience to do. She increased web sales by 600% by following him. And it's just amazing because she said, I just learned so much about my customers and about what they're and what and their habits strictly based on how Andy told me to, to watch analytics. So everyone listening, Orbit Media, check them out, subscribe to their blog. It's a great resource. And I told my friend, I said, well, you did it. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's hard for Andy to write all that and get it out to his community, but you did it. That's, that's almost as hard it, to, to, to invest the time and resources on her end to do all these things he's saying to do. Yeah, but I think it, it goes back to this thing like there's a lot of paid subscriptions out there that would charge money for that type of content. Um, and he does it for free right? Like that it, it's, and the reason why it's so thought out and um, curated and made in such a way is that he's treating it like a product. And I think that the best content marketers treat what they're doing like a product that they need to get out into the world, that they're not, they're not pushing a product. This thing that they are creating is used by people every day in some form or fashion. It might be used to inspire people. It might be used to have them uh, learn more. It might be used to, uh, you know, give them solace or distract them in some way or whatever it is. But the actual thing, the content is a product. And like, because, you know, obviously at Mission, we literally create content for a living. So uh, we know how much thought goes into like gigantic uh, campaigns and things like that. Um, because we've done it. But I think that a lot of people, to your point earlier, don't realize how much work goes into it. And the answer 99 times is not, I'm going to hire one content marketer, throw them on my marketing team and say we have content marketing. And that's kind of scary for a CMO to say like, hey, am I really going to have to hire an in-house you know, group of five people to, to create state of the edge every year or whatever it is, because it's going to take so much time. And the nice thing about, you know, back to Andy, just close loop on that is that, you know, he's giving away all this information for free, but he's also running a business. So he knows he's going to get email addresses. 
names and companies of his subscribers. They're going, some, some will look at him and say, that's great, but I don't have the time or the inclination to do this. So can you do it for me? So he's getting business and he speaks for a living. So he's getting some speaking gigs. So there is, there is profit he's getting from doing this. And he just knows that the time he's investing in writing all of this and documenting everything is a revenue generator for him. And he can track all that because his analytics are set up so well. <laughs> so he can, he can see that it is moving middle for him. Yeah. But there's a lot of examples of this stuff that is, um, that is out there in the world. We're actually compiling like 25, uh, a, a really cool thing that we should be releasing soon. Um, about uh, the 25 highest ROI campaigns of all time. And one of the ones that we studied was um, Bob Ross. Bob was like a genius. Nobody realized this, uh, but Bob did all of that stuff um, for free for PBS because he wanted people to be better at painting. Like truly he wanted that. But the other reason was he was getting syndicated to 80 million people a month and he was selling Bob Ross art supplies and uh, painting tutoring um, as the part of the business. So that was his marketing engine for all that stuff. And they built like, you know, like a $15 million business, um, on, on selling all of that sort of stuff. I think a lot of times people with content marketing confuse the fact that the art side of it can stand on its own as something that is amazing, that is out there in the world. And the business side also can stand out on its own, that those two things aren't competing. And I think that the best content marketing is that where the actual content stands on its own as something that people genuinely love and appreciate similar to like how a product would make people feel. And the added benefit of your company making this is also driving a large amount of, of pipeline generation or revenue or however you, you, you sell your products. Two really great examples of that from a consumer standpoint are is REI and Patagonia. The content and the videos and the uh, content they get from their customers is phenomenal. And I know they're getting business because people are all in, you know, they read this and they're talk, someone talking about hiking or paddleboarding or kayaking and they're reading this article and they're going to go to those places because they know, they know they're experts in all the equipment and everything that they need. And they take the time to build these relationships and show this human side of, of their customers who are sharing the stories back to back with them. Yeah, I, they're too great. And like, you know, people started throwing throwing around the term like lifestyle brand uh, is like a new new thing that people created. But man, like Patagonia and uh, from when it started um, and, uh, and REI are like the ultimate lifestyle brands were like, that's just, I mean, you know, have the, the REI co-op, which is like brilliant of its own right. Um, but what are some other examples of that stuff that you've seen of people who have spoken at Content Marketing World um, you know, you have some of the best content marketers uh, in the world that come to, to Cleveland every year um, and, and talk about this stuff. What are some of those best practices that you've seen? Um, maybe let's start with a B2B example, uh, if you have one in your, in your arsenal. So Aero Electronics, Victor Gao runs the marketing there. And over the last few years, they had watched their electronics publications really struggle. So what they did was that they purchased 130 companies, media vehicles, where they could now have all had the distribution to send to get all this media out to their to their customers. And they are now experts in this area. So they're the largest media company in the electronics industry. It's pretty amazing that they now have the distribution and the, uh, the way to get all of this out to their customers. Yeah, I mean, that is remarkable when you think about I mean, they do like $14 billion in sales a year or something like that. I mean, Arrow is a huge player. They shifted from a marketing advertising 
play to an editorial play. So they're getting their name in front of their customers, but they're also educating them and helping them do their jobs better. I mean, it's kind of like brilliant. They have all the data. So that's, that's another piece of this is like they have all of the data of what content resonates with their audience um, and they can leverage that to make more content, to do other things. Also, it gives them the opportunity to um, like cross pollinate thought leadership between publication or between their media entities. so They can see what's working in one place and working in the other. Um, it's a pretty interesting use case. And you see, we've seen like Adobe do this here and there. We've seen um, some leading companies that have done stuff like this. I think Red Hat has a, has something like this. Like we see it here and there, but to see a company that like goes all in on it, I thought was really exciting. And the other thing side of it is if they're, auditing their publications and people are filling out subscription forms based on being audited, they know everything about their customers. They know, you know, from everything from name to company to employees, employee range to uh, revenue, all this stuff. And that's such, I mean, that's like so robust so they can go in and they can see all of this. And if they do go to do an advertising spend, they have all that data on who they should be targeting. Arrow has been around for 80 years. So this is a company that, um, is not like sitting back and just saying, hey, you know, we're, we're a legacy company. We're not going to try to innovate. We're not going to do anything like that. No, they're, they've been around for 80 years. They're like, you know, um, Fortune 500 company, like some like in the hundreds. Uh, and I think it's actually 24 billion in revenue uh, that they do annually. Um, so obviously, you know, they had um, the foresight and the thought and the effort um, but that's a big bet. I mean, it's a huge bet to make because if that doesn't work, you know, it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a good day for the CMO. What are some other examples of uh, from B2C companies or speakers that have uh, talked to content marketing world? The Cleveland Clinic is a real obvious example for us. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's here. So we know a lot about the, the clinic here, but Amanda Dorovich, who runs the team over there, the whole mission of the content marketing department at the Cleveland Clinic is to educate customers so they don't need to come to the hospital. I mean, so the hospital is trying to keep their customers healthy. <laughs> so they have a whole website on eating healthy, uh, when to come to the doctor, you know, and with a disclaimer saying we aren't doctors, we're content writers. So if you're not, if you're not sure, come in. But you know, their whole mission is to make to, to kind of save you that step and to educate their customers. And gosh, that's brilliant. So when you, so when the customers are you know do need something. Who are they going to go to? The people that they trust, which is the Cleveland Clinic. So the and and now they're even monetizing. They've started taking advertising on their website. So they're turning this marketing vehicle for them, this content marketing website, into a revenue generator. So all the money they're putting into the uh, content marketing, they're now generating revenue from, which is then getting. They're hiring more people. They're building more content. They're it's it's a machine over there. It's crazy. So that's been phenomenal. Um, like I said, REI has come and spoken to our events many times. Lowe's, uh, their fix and fix when Vine was around, you know, they had this amazing six second how to how to fix how to get a screw that was is stripped out of uh, out of a wall. You know, they show you how to do it with a screwdriver and a rubber band, things like that. That you know, they were just so much fun to watch. So people would subscribe, and then they'd go to Lowe's when they needed something because they just had so much fun with it and they built a relationship and they were educated and entertained their customers. So there's so many examples like that of people we've met over the years. And that's one thing I love about our event is that there are lots of content marketing names, industry leaders, people that are on the speaking circuit that 
We love having our event because they just know so much and they're so well-versed in the industry. But we've tried to find the people that are working for the brands in content marketing because they're the ones with the really cool stories. And that's been really great over the years. And I mean, I, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've seen thousands of speakers now that have these great stories to show and I have to show and I have free access to all of it. So I've just learned so much over the past seven years from, from our event. Lauren, I'd love for you to weigh in on some of the cool things that you've seen from a content marketing standpoint over the years. I mean, obviously, you know, spending years at Salesforce, you saw Dreamforce, you know, blow up into this massive worldwide event. Um, that has done so well. And it's funny, actually, um, in the episode with, uh, uh, with Joe Polizzi, we talk, he brought up Dreamforce as, as a great uh, content marketing initiative, uh, which was funny. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but, but what are some of the other things that you've seen in your career that either you were jealous of or that you were part of? Oh, that's a great question. Um, some things that I think were done really, really well. Um, just in terms of sort of growing and being able to grow through content, I I know I mentioned Moz earlier. Um, I think in the early days of content marketing and when people were just figuring out what to do, I think they did such a great job of building building their business on how do we produce really great, really really helpful content that goes out to people and become that that sort of standard and resource. And I loved what they did, especially in the early days, becoming the, the go-to place for, you know, all things SEO. And, you know, many, many years ago, it was part of what I actually did on a regular basis. And I loved that and seeing them really build their company on that. I think another great example, I think the one that everyone really thinks about is, is HubSpot and how HubSpot sort of came in and figured out, what to do. And again, building content that drives value. And so much of this, and the more of these we do, Ian, and the more sort of amazing marketers like Kathy that we talk to, the thing that I always have is this takeaway is as marketers, if we just focus on how do you drive value for your prospects, for your customers, for your users, so much goodness happens. And the best content marketing programs that I've seen are the ones that really start from this place of, how do I drive and deliver? How do I drive and deliver value for my potential customers and my existing customers? And if I anchor there and build the programs or campaigns that reach those goals, you see, um, you start to see really, really great results. Um, and I will give my one, my one Dreamforce caveat that I will get to say that I got to do um, a million years ago when I had worked at. Salesforce long before they had any marketing products and marketing clouds. I, you know, myself and my team had this like deep seated belief that marketers could use Salesforce because we all did. And we thought more and more people needed to. And we used to do this, you know, how marketing, how does the Salesforce marketing team use the Salesforce? And then um, we really had this idea of, well, we want to do more content sessions because we think there's so many other ways for marketers to really engage with this product. And there was a point before um, Salesforce had acquired or built any marketing, any products that were 100% designed for marketers, that my team was running a dozen sessions at Salesforce that was all about digital marketing and social media and social marketing um, and how you can integrate these things with this product because we were so passionate about it that we just felt we had to, to go and to share. And then we started to get more and more marketers coming to 
we started to see more and more marketers coming to the the event. So I get to think I played a very small part early on in, in building a lot of that out. Let's switch gears here into our lightning round. Fast and easy questions, just like Pardot from Salesforce. Fast, easy. Kathy, are you ready? Can I say one thing before the lightning round? Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the things I learned from Joe is that a lot of the greatest content comes when you just take a chance. And one example I have is that he and I were going, we were flying to Chicago for a meeting. And he said, I think I want to do a podcast. And I was like, okay. And this was a long time ago, five, six years ago. And I said, all right. So we talked about strategy and we jotted some things down and on the proverbial napkin and we're talking about it. And then we get back to Cleveland and I send him a few notes. And like two days later, he emails me the first episode. And I was like, wait, well, okay, we're doing this. And he's like, well, yeah, we're doing this. So he said, why, what are we waiting for? And I said, you're absolutely right. So let's do this. So it's just, he has taught me that you have an idea, you're excited about it. Don't even stop to, to talk yourself out of it. Just go do it. And for six years, that, that podcast ran and was, was amazing. So that was my one little tip to add about what, how to make great content. Um, just put yourself out there. I love it. And it was funny because I talked to him on the, I gave him a, I started the podcast up with letting him do a rant because I said, we miss, uh, we miss this old marketing. We do miss this old marketing. <laughs> it was a great show for our listeners who haven't, haven't listened to any episodes, go back and check one out there. It's, it's a great, great show. Let's get into the lightning round. Let's do this. Fast and easy questions. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Well, I'm using right now, I got an Apple Watch for Christmas, and I'm using an app called Sleepwatch. And it's not the most thrilling app in the whole entire world, but I've learned a lot about my sleep pattern. And it's almost like a little challenge to see how much sleep I can get, how much deep sleep I can get, and how much my heart rate dips. That sounds like such a nerdy answer, but I really have grown to like it. The other thing is, is messages because I have these group texts going with my college friends, my high school friends, my work friends, and I don't know what I'd do without that constant communication. It's been a nice way to stay in touch. Uh, next question. What is your favorite book that you've read recently? I read so many books that I forget which books I've read. So I would probably <laughs> say The Tattooist of Auschwitz I read about a month ago. Absolutely loved it. Um, by Heather Morris. And then right now I'm reading Educated by Tara Westover, which is a great book as well. It's a really good, really good story. Have you either of you read either of those? No, that sounds really intense and a great title for a book. Holy moly. I, I feel like every time we ask people this question, I add it to my list of so many books <laughs> to my list of, oh my gosh, I really want to read this. Yeah, I highly recommend both of those books. Do you have a favorite social media account that you follow? The New York Public Library. They have a great podcast. They have their Instagram's amazing. The librarian is in is their pod, podcast that I listen to. I've got new book ideas on there. So if, you, if, you're, if you're looking for even more book titles, listen to that. And they're hysterical, which I always look for on a podcast. It's very important to me to, have, to be able to laugh listening to while I'm being educated. Uh, what is your favorite one-day getaway near the Cleveland-Akron area? My favorite one-day getaway would probably be either to the Cleveland Art Museum, which is magnificent, or if I have the chance to be outside, I would go down to our Metro Parks area, which is this vast, vast green space in the middle of Cleveland. 
that you could bike, hike, kayak, paddleboard, get, get be deep in the woods or end up being out on Lake Erie. It's fascinating and amazing. And, a, and a, one of the hidden gems of Cleveland, but not so hidden because everyone knows about it. But it's an amazing, if out-of-towners don't realize how incredible it is until they come here. And they're like, wow, we're in Cleveland? So to come to the event, you should, we should make plans to go to get into, the, to our Metro Park system. I've been to a, uh, back in the day, I saw Army play at, uh, at Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, so I've been to Cleveland. Um, my, my college roommate was from Cleveland. So it's a great spot. Final question. What thing are you most excited about for the future of marketing? I'm excited to see, um, this is a little bit of a selfish answer, but I'm excited to see what kids that are in college and just out of college, what they can bring to the industry that people like our age, my age, is we just don't know. You know, they've grown up with all of this. And what do they know that we don't know? Or what can they bring to the industry to make it even better than it already is? Because they have such high expectations. You know, we've kind mm-hmm. of grown to, to um, trust brands and they, they, they go in with just a whole different viewpoint than we do. I have a daughter who's actually going to be a freshman at Kent State next year, majoring in journalism. And I'm just excited to see what she's going to learn and what she can, what we can talk about. I would say probably say that that would be my answer. This has been awesome. It's been, it's been really fun having you on the show. And, um, you know, we love content marketing here um, at mission.org. So this is fun stuff for us and our marketing trends community. I know wants more information about this because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's as hot as it gets in terms of uh, a category of marketing right now. It's exciting. I mean, it's, it's ever-changing. Uh, every year, it's, you know, this year we're talking about things like Alexa and voice search and things like that. And next year, it's going to be something else. I mean, it doesn't go so quickly. Like, voice search won't be gone next year. But we're always adding on something. Every year for our event, you know, we have these tracks where it's what, it could be like storytelling and demand generation and analytics and content creation. And every year, we drop one off and we add three more in because there's always a new way we can slice and dice this and people be, can become experts in these little niches. So it's really fun to see, to see it all grow. And it's fun that we have the opportunity just to have all these resources to kind of teach ourselves and learn from others on how to make marketing better. I think it's, I think marketing has come, you know, when I was first in advertising, I'm like, Oh my gosh, not, what I'm doing right now, if this goes away, <laughs> mankind will not be impacted in the slightest bit. But I think today I could say that we are doing good. You know, we're trying to help companies do better. We're trying to help small businesses succeed. Um, And we're even trying to make our customers happy. So I think that just makes the marketing industry like, okay, we're we're doing good things. We're doing good things in the world. And for all of our listeners who have not gone to content marketing world, like myself, I need to go. I just, every year I feel like it's just... um, you know, it's event season and there's so much stuff going on, but uh, I'm excited to go uh, this year. We're going to try to make it. And uh, I encourage all of our, our listeners, uh, folks on our team who've gone the past and just had an absolute blast. So That would be wonderful. I'd love to see you all there. So thank you so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to staying in touch. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. 
Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.